Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers. I'm Gav. That's Phil, that's Kev, and we're going to pick the Liverpool Ultimate Eleven. But Phil is going to pick Great Britain and Ireland. Um, spoiler alert, he told me earlier he doesn't think um, Gerard or Daglish fits in the system. So uh, <laughs> strap yourselves in. And uh, Kev is going to pick the rest of the world. So while you're in there and you're in the chat, throw in all these things as we go through, throw in all these players as we go through the um, positions and stuff like that. Um, show was brought to you by... Hang on, hang on. I've, I've, I've got them in my notes. Sorry. I just I, I even did notes today. You did notes? And then forgot you were on the show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, so, Kev's going... Well, Kev's here, going... It's, it's, it's a fair reason. It's a fair reason. I was watching Married at Foresight. It's like, it's deadly. Oh, fuck off, Phil. Um, so, anyway, bookmakers.com are sponsoring the show. Check them out at bookmakers.com for all your odds and all the bookies. For all the sports that you can find, do so responsibly. If you don't, the website is still good there for comparisons, stats, articles, and all that sort of stuff. Go and check them out. I am going to talk about some charity stuff, but I'm not going to do it until the lads pick their goalkeeper and back for the usual charity will be spoken about. But something came up today that we were asked to share, and I have to speak about it. So we, um, I just I felt very very moved by it so i'm going to i'm going to talk to you um, in a little bit about it so we're going to bash through this we're not going to keep you for two hours um we're going to start with goalkeepers kev is going for a 4-4-2 phil what fucking formation have you come up in your mad head uh no i'm going with a classic uh 4-2-3-1 that can convert to a 4-2-4 but can also play as a 4-3-3 Okay, four two three. Sometimes it's a four four two as well. <laughs> With the one in front of the two. <laughs> Fuck off, annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> so four, f- and you have four. Of eleven players. Three one. Okay, <laughs> Kev, you have the rest of the world. Yeah. yeah? So yeah. Now, Laszlo put in a team earlier, and I was. In the in the comments before the show even started, all right, and I all went right. what? Um, but goalkeepers, rest of the world, Liverpool ultimate eleven, go. 
Alison Becker. It's okay. as simple as that. It's, um, it's the easiest decision in the world for me. Um, 220 appearances, 97 clean sheets, three, three assists, one goal. And it's okay. the goal that is the best memory of the whole lot. Not the importance of it or anything like that, but what he went through in that season. And I could just sit and watch memes of that goal all day long. It was, it's, he's, I mean, he's a fantastic keeper anyway. But, you know, we paid well for him. And he's uh, he's just head and shoulders above anything else that you could pick. Pepe Reina, you know, good keeper, but he was Spanish number three for a reason. You know, it, he was good, but he wasn't great. Phil, you know? who would you have picked, Phil? I just want to see if you come up with the same name Laszlo picked. I, I actually would have picked Grab, Bruce. That's who Laszlo had, Bruce Grabbelan. And I think, I think, I think Brucey, as much as he's maligned for um, his late Liverpool career, his that period from eighty one to eighty nine is untouched in terms of trophies and and everything else. And yeah. for me, I I understand the Allison show. It would be between Allison and Brucey, and I keep coming back to Allison has turned up for us in all the moments, right? But Brucey turned up for us in the biggest moments and won things. So that's the, that's the small difference in terms of what it is. I'd love to see Allison win another Champions League and another league title because then you can have a genuine conversation just purely on ability. If you're going purely on ability, I, I and I've said this on when when I used to pay attention. Um, Allison for me is probably the next evolution in terms of what Neuer brought to goalkeeping. Allison is now taking that on another step again, if that makes sense. <coughs> right. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, and that's 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 what I, I, th- I think he's an immense goalkeeper. But for me, my, I, I grew up watching Brucey, and I, I still have I, I still have these standout moments. But then again, I absolutely adore um, Allison and his goal. And um, yeah, I it's think like it's, it's it's a uh, Gravelar wins so much at Liverpool. You're right. Eighty one, mm. eighty four European Cups. He wins. A double, seven big titles, I think. Yeah, no other goalkeepers won a double um, for for either. I think he wins seven league titles. It might be six league titles. Does um, is he in goal? No, he's not in goal for the '92 FA Cup final. Um, David James is, isn't he? David James is. David James is. He? Yeah. He is, yeah. Because it's mm. the, there was another mad fe- there was a mad fella in goal for Sunderland. Um. But anyway, what was his name? But Grabbler does win. But I think I know the goal for Allison and all that. But the big no. one for me, the big one for me with Allison is, is the European Cup final. When Liverpool genuinely don't turn up in that game. They get a penalty early, they suffocate Spurs, Spurs come on strong between, say, 50 and 75 minutes. And Allison makes the difficult look extremely easy. And doesn't let yeah. any balls drop in front of him. He's pushing things out for throws when they're being shot at him. Um, he's so, so good. Um uh, it's an interesting debate, but we well, listen. The, the, the other reason I would have gone for Allison over Grobler is purely and simply because of the way the goalkeeping position has changed since Bruce was probably in his pomp. The picking the ball up after, I mean, football was a completely different game, completely different pace. It was it's probably the only position on the pitch where it's a, it's chalk and cheese. You know, we've had some great keepers, Clements as well, but like. 
The game was but completely Kev, different. Completely different. Kev, Kev, Bruce <clears throat> was a completely different a keeper. No, but he's 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 a modern keeper in the mid eighties, right? In the way he played the game, we did like they, they hoofed the ball, and but he played so much out from the back, like which is unheard of at the time. Mm. He, he, he threw the ball, but it's the way he commanded his goal is his penalty box. He came that for doesn't everything. Come into, that and all the defenders at the time said, "We knew he was coming for everything." Yeah, but Gav, it allowed Hansen and Lawrenson to play on the halfway line. It was unheard of at the time. He played so high and so yeah. up off his line. It, it's it's modern goalkeeping in the eighties. And if you go back and look at all the great eighties, particularly in England, you look at Southall, you look at um, the other fellas, and the, the, what you ended up looking at is great. Shot stoppers, phenomenal shot stoppers. But Bruce, he was so different in that he was a brilliant shot stopper. He was, it's completely unorthodox, but a brilliant shot stopper. But his game was more about dominating the eighteen-yard box as opposed to just being there to stop shots. And that's what that's why Hansen, that's why when I look at it, it's it's a lot closer than 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 for me anyway. It's a lot closer than it should be. Um, Mohammed Gav, you said you're not going to keep us here for two hours. No, this is probably the only one made the debate because I just it was just because I seen a comment beforehand. Marge Apple says. Bruce's autobiography was insane. His mate in the army had a jar full of human ears. You couldn't make it up. Uh, so yeah, where listen, he came from. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna put Kev's team out tomorrow, and we're gonna put Phil's team out tomorrow, and then people okay. can argue over. Phil won't even know what's happening. Um, Kev will do his best to ignore it, um, yeah. but we will put it out anyway. Phil, Great Britain and Ireland, Ireland and Great Britain, whatever you want to call it, goalkeeper. Mm. You know, the, again, like it's 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 relatively straightforward. It's Ray Clements, right? For a similar reason to the Brucey piece, but we've had great goalkeepers down down the down the years, right? Um, and there's an argument that you could go deeper into the into the annals of of Liverpool history, but I I still, for me, I still I still stand by what in for the same reasons as Brucey, Ray Clements is a cut above. Think about the seventies, and it's just Ray Clemens. Think about where we learn how to dominate in Europe. Think about where we become a dominant football team in England. It's Ray Clemens between the sticks, and every picture, every every picture, and every video, and every highlight reel you see from before nineteen eighty, it's Ray Clemens. You you know exactly what he looks like. You know exactly what the goalkeeper looks like, and you know the way he plays. But in the same way, I say talk about Brucey being a next phase goalkeeper Clements was a next phase goalkeeper you look at the way 70s goalkeepers in England play right yeah. and they're basically Sabutio men right they were stood in the line and they moved side to side when you go back and watch the pictures of Clements he's diving in a manner that's very similar to um what you see in the 80s what you see the next generation of goalkeepers yeah. become in, in terms of the South it's highly stuff. real so, for saves is um mm. <coughs> I always go back to that um Liverpool VHS I had the history of Liverpool which only ran up to 1991 because that's probably around the time I got it and they can't see into the future they aren't you know Michael J Fox um, but but when you watch these things you know from in the 70s and, and you know right up to the leaves in early 80s um, honestly his highlight reel for saves was fucking phenomenal and you're right where some keepers are nearly diving under the ball high shots and they're nearly mm. I, I'll never get into that he was full stretch into corners Tipping stuff around, so um, yeah, yeah Clements is Clements is fairly straightforward, and, and if anyone yeah. hasn't seen Clements, I'm sure you'll find the reel on on YouTube somewhere, and it's just it's out of this world. 
yeah. big shout out though for Paul. 18 grand he cost. 18 yeah. grand. Paul Jones. Paul Jones was close to getting the shout though. Paul Jones. Two, two, two appearances where. Did he only play two? Did he, are you sure he played two? I thought he only played one. <laughs> two. No, he two. was on loan from Southampton. I think he plays at home to was, Wolves. Yeah. We are signing about five goalkeepers a week, and we still had we had 16 goalkeepers. We and we stopped doing that and just signed all the under 15s from all over the world. Every yeah, goalkeeper, we're doing that now. Tafarel, Tafarel has about 18 yeah. keepers, follows them out onto, yeah. the, onto the pitch every day now. Um, exactly, exactly. <coughs> Kev, full backs, I'm gonna take go for the pair of them. Oh, no, look, um, for me, I went with John Anarisa, a left back. And um, Arbaloa, a right back. Oh, could have gone with Babel as a right back, but I just thought Arbaloa. I just think Arbaloa for us was better than what Babel was for us. I think Babel was a far superior player, but mm. Arbaloa for us was probably better, and he kicked on and was really, really good for Madrid as well. Um, but yeah, John Anarisa on the other side. Surprising amount of games he played. He was there for he was in Liverpool for a long time. I think it was about eight years. Yeah, he signed eight, he signed in two thousand and one just yeah, after four million the, from the Monaco. Treble. Yeah. And I think he scores on his does he score on his debut at Bayern Munich in the Super um, Cup in Monaco? I'm I, nearly sure I he didn't does. Write it down. And then he belts one in against United at the Anfield yeah. Road end. Seven and he scored years, some he was... sensational goal. I only seen one the other day. He hammers one in against Birmingham in a, I think it's a cup replay. He yeah. went about seven 0 at St Andrews and he back, but he scored some big goals. He scored in the FA Cup semi final um, against Chelsea at Old Trafford. He scored some big, big goals, some great but goals. It's probably the one position, the two positions on the pitch, right back, left back, that we haven't had a glut of what you call stars from abroad. I'd a hundred percent put put Marcus Babel in at right back. Well, as a player, you probably would, but I think when you got to look at it for us, I think okay. Arbelo was better. Okay. Arbelo-Risa. Phil, your fullbacks. Yeah, Kev, you're not touching mine. So I've got um, Phil Neal at right back. But now, the... and I will say that that was a throw-up because, and I'm not, I'm not even going to lie about this, I was considering putting Trent in here. As much as people hate him at the moment, right? Trent has changed the game as, as, as fullbacks go. Changed the game for English fullbacks, and he'll be. I'll be talking about somebody later on again he, for whatever reason. He's not getting luck, but yeah, I would go Phil Neal. And I struggled at left back because we've had some mad ones. And I actually picked Steve Nickel, and then I changed my mind, right? Because Steve Nickel actually played more right back than he did at left back, and he was just moved across and played very well at left back. Mm, but centre half played a um, bit of centre half. Yeah, but the person I'm going for at left back, and I'm going to put up one parameter around this. I wasn't going back to the 60s and 70s because I wasn't, believe it or not, I wasn't born then. So I've sort of limited mine from when I was born onwards, right? So from 1977 onwards, which sort to sort is great because I can ignore all the other stuff that happened before. Um, so, but I'm going with Jim Beglin as my left back. Okay. Jim Beglin's career is destroyed by a broken leg, but if anybody watches, um, and I grew up watching Jim Beglin playing for Liverpool, if anybody watching him was, was 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 what Robbo is now, and he was he again he was a different type of left back to what was out there in 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 football at the time. He was just immense. He he raided from the left back spot, and he was brilliant defensively. And one of his standout moments is having a punch up with with Grabbler. And the in the FA Cup final in nineteen eighty six. Yes. Um and then 
and that changed the that changed the game because Liverpool the got the shit Liverpool together after that row. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we came into the game and then went on to score three unanswered goals and win the double on the back of that one against Everton. Um, but for me, Beglin is was was head and shoulders above who I could think of, and that's not that's being unfair to fellas like Kennedy and all who went before him, right? But I just went for pure. Did you not consider skill. Robertson at all? No, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, because I think Robertson is great, but I just prefer Beglin. And that's what it boiled down to in the end. Um, and I could have picked Robertson, but I still prefer Beglin. And the Neil show was hard. But then, a bit like the, the Brucey one when I was talking to Kev earlier on, when you stand up what Phil Neil won as he's captain the decorated, and as he's player. He's the most decorated player in Liverpool's history. Eight league yeah. titles and four European Cups. Like, yeah. If, yeah. yeah. yeah right? it's, it's obscene, really. Mm-hmm. He's he's a leader. Is if you put him on the pitch, he's the leader. Do you know what I mean? Straight away, who's going to stand up to him? Who's going to tell him? Now nah, you're wrong. You know what I mean? Like it's it's. Am I? Yeah, Grant. Super fair play. Don't interest. Yeah, that's, that's I have to say, I I thought one of Trent or Robertson would have got in there, but it, it's hard to argue against Phil Neal because his his trophy haul is ridiculous yeah. over that amount of time as well. And you're right with Trent. He has changed the game, um, in how fullbacks are output. You know, but at the same time, he's probably changing the way of how well he's changed the going forward. The absolute microscope on him defensively is mental. Now he hasn't helped himself this year, I don't think, because I don't think his attitude was being quite there. Um, but like genuinely, if you told me Trent was going to be bang on form next season, going forward, brilliant, and going back, he's absolutely fine. You know what I mean? You can't have a fella. Pulling strings, thirty yards from an opposition goal, and you want them seven seconds later being, you know, tucking in to cover a centre back. You just, it, it's just physically impossible. It doesn't work. But I'm surprised. <coughs> the Beglin one's a great show. Um, I, I was just interested to see if Robertson got a show in there because, um, of course, you did Ro- have Ray Kennedy, Robertson, or Alan listen, Kennedy. But, <coughs> I think the opposite. Of what Kev said about the fullbacks from the foreign eleven, right? You have. Tons of fullbacks to pick, and it's not fair on the fellas not being mentioned. We mentioned Nickel, but you have Rob Jones who could play left and right back, and was it was brilliant, right? He Rob was just Jones, would have, Rob Jones, if he wasn't, didn't he suffered badly with shin splints, didn't he? Um, yeah, if and if Rob, Rob Jones stayed fit, and I, I'm telling you this now, if Rob Jones stayed fit, Gary Neville wouldn't have got a cap for England, right? And and he would, I think, he would still be arguing today about Rob Jones as being the best right-back Liverpool have ever had. He was that good. He was genuinely that good. He had an engine. He got up and down, didn't score goals. Because the, the big thing about Rob Jones was, lads, week on week, putting a tenner on Rob Jones to get first goal. Never scored for Liverpool. But my God, what a fullback he was. Um, but Phil Neal, I've no issue with Phil Neal and Beglin. Um, and it'll make, it'll make for interesting reading tomorrow. Centre-backs, Kev. Uh, Sammy Hippia, you Virgil Van Dijk. Yeah, Sa- Sammy Hippia, Virgil Van Dijk. And okay. to be honest, two colossuses in the air. Both could read the game really well. Both could pass the ball really well. And with Sammy's positional sense and Virgil's pace, I just think they'd be an, they're an ideal combination for the two. And... Again, it's like when you look at who would you put in with him, Joel <coughs> Matip. I think Joel Matip is an excellent centre back, but his body, his body will let him down, and that's just a shame. 
in time, you hope Ibu Kanate could be that guy. But Daniel Agar, no. Um, good player, not at the level of the others. He just, he just wasn't. You know, and again, you're really limited. When you look at see who would be better than Sammy Hippia and Virgil, not for me. Not, not the not the we've had anyway. No, I think I think it's fair. I think when you look at at the fullbacks, we have a load of them that are Great Britain and Ireland, right? Yeah. But when you look at centre backs, I think you have a, you struggle. Sorry, you struggle with fullbacks a bit from the rest of the world, whereas I think you struggle with centre backs a little bit. When it comes to British, well, Phil doesn't. But what I'm saying is, to partner up and beat them too, I think it'd be difficult. But I know what Phil's gonna go for. I, I absolutely know what he's gonna go for. And, I'd be and amazed. In, and if he doesn't them, go away. Sorry, and what I mean by that is, in them picks, that's fairly straightforward for me. Like it's fairly straightforward. The rest of the world yeah. centre backs that play for Liverpool. You know, if you look, Matip isn't getting in ahead of either of them. Just isn't. No. It's because Sammy Hippie comes into Liverpool, and. He put a physicality into Liverpool that wasn't there. Liverpool should have won a title sometime between 95 and 1999. And the reason he didn't is because they were brilliant to watch. And if you listen to McManaman and Fowler and anyone else to play for them, they were great to watch, but they'd bash United one week and they'd lose a Coventry the next week. And the reason they lost was because Coventry would clip balls into the box, get physical, and Liverpool couldn't deal with it. Hippia comes along and he puts a physicality in. Never the quickest. Read the game brilliantly. I think, I'd love to know how many goals he has for Liverpool. Because I would say he's, I'm going to guess about 30. <laughs> Constantly, I'll, tell, I'll tell you there in a second. But I think a centre-half, I think that's a really good pick, in fairness. It's a really, really good pick. He's at Liverpool for 10 years. Um, he costs full call from Willem Twey. Um, and Van Dijk, for me... He's better again. He's better again. I think if you asked me this a year ago, I'd tell you Van Dijk would go on to be the greatest centre-half Liverpool have ever had. I'd have Sammy, Hi- Sammy Hippie has 35 goals there in 464 total yeah. games. So there you um, go. Goal, goal every 10 from centre-half, that's good. 11 um, assists as well. So there's your centre-halves. Phil. Yeah. Centre-backs. I, uh, Steve Stanton and Gary Ablett. Fuck off Take the microphone off of I would, I would. Can I, can I guess Mark yours? Mark Roy and no, John can, Scales. Can, can, can I guess yours before you, before you, before you do it? Yeah. I'm going to guess you're going to say Mark Lawrence and Alan Hansen. Yeah, because everybody else was muck. Well, not really. Emily uh, News was three, a great centre back. Uh, oh, no, no, see, remember, 77's the cut off, yeah? So, okay. So, right, okay. Right. Yeah. Can't talk about people that I wasn't alive for. And I don't think it's right to talk about people I wasn't alive for because I, I didn't experience them the same way I've experienced the centre back. Yeah, since. I know, but there's so, so much footage out there that you can see of loads of players. But come here, once, once I go past Hansen and Lawrence, I've got Masio, I've got Staunton, yeah. I've got Carragher, I've got um, Scales, I've got Bab, I've got Ruddock, Phil I've Thompson got Mark is in, in there, and, and has Hansen, Lawrence, and Thompson, Yates, Smith, Carragher. Not short of British slash Irish centre. Yeah, but sorry, but yeah, there's only like you've got Hanson, Lawrence, and Thompson, Yates, and Smith. You want to have a conversation? We can have a conversation. Carragher is not even even close to the conversation. He's in the stands watching the game, right? That's that's about it. I agree. I in. think, and I don't think Mark Lawrence gets enough credit for how good he was at Liverpool. Mark Lawrence and Alan Hansen are 
Joe Matip and Virgil van Dijk at their peak, right? So this that's for anyone who, who's too young to have seen these live. That's what we looked like in the 80s when these two lads were playing. Like this, when we went back to having Matip and Van Dijk playing beside each other, for me, that's been always the best version of the Klopp defence because you have both of them played in the same manner. You have, Hansen was the imperious, amazing, powerful, dominant centre-back. And Lawrenson was the fella that you didn't even know was there in the way Matip doesn't. But he came he came dancing out of midfielder, out, out, out into midfield. And he, he was he was as capable to step into midfield. He played defensive midfielder for Ireland, right? So like he, he had that ability to play, play on the ball and play football. But his ability to defend is so underrated. And what's happened with Laro, sadly, is people only see him for the co-commentator and that he is with Studio Islands at BBC, yeah. Yeah. And I've forgotten the footballer that he was through the eighties. He was he's toned up recently on LFC TV, and when he's on LFC TV, he speaks so fucking well. But when he was with the BBC, it was like he was trying to be. Gavin, it wasn't. Or something. He went. He's he he went through the same thing I've gone through at the moment. He hates football. Right, he right. hated football for a long, long time, and had to leave the BBC and get away from football all the time to to actually go back to enjoying football. So when he's on LFC TV now. He's back to loving football and enjoying it again and enjoying watching it. So he has an enthusiasm for the game that he didn't have when he was on the BBC. But I don't want to talk about him as a co-commentator. I want to talk about him as the footballer because he was, he was just, he was a class act. A class act. He was a class act. Was Mark yeah. Lawrenson for me? He was, he was class. seriously quick. Seriously quick. Yeah. Hanson and probably... Lawrenson is Philip Bidwell's pick as well. And, and Lawrenson was, and but Hanson was majestic. Like, yeah. like oh. if you ever want to see what a centre half should do, if you watch the first goal away at Everton when they beat Everton five at Goodison, and there's a ball in the middle of the park, he steps out, intercepts, goes by a fella who throws his whole life at, at Hansen, skips over him, and then hits this slight real pass, which is phenomenal. Like if Gerard Dagdish, Javi Alonso, any of these players do it, you you're playing it mm-hmm. on a loop for years. And Hansen hits this. It's it's unbelievable. Um, Can I just some... say one thing about mm. about this pick, these picks as well, particularly for the the, the English and, and and Irish version, right? I found one thing looking through these players. It's from up to nineteen ninety eight. It's very easy to pick the players because mm-hmm. football is a local game. Yeah. At the, up until the nineteen ninety eight World Cup, nineteen ninety eight changes football changes and becomes a global game. So when I, I'm imagining, Kev, most of your picks are going to really revolve from 1998 onwards because that's when we get the influx of all the, yeah. the superstars into England. Whereas before then, essentially the best um, GB in Ireland 11 was the team that won the league year after year. And that's what, it's so easy to pick a team because when you start looking at the players, that's where they all exist. That's how they all existed. And so oh. it, it, it was just such, such a dominant thought process when I was pulling the 11 together. It's like, mm. You know, this, this is where the best players are. Nowadays, we don't see that because they don't get to the upper echelon. So when you look at the likes of Trent and you look at the likes of even Elliot coming through at the moment, like those guys are playing at a level that wasn't there before. And that's why Bellingham excites me. The, the odd time I, I, I watch him at the moment, he excites me because to have that level of talent, now he's gone to Germany to realise, and it doesn't surprise me, I think more pathways should be opened up for, for players in, in that manner. Like that excites me because he's essentially a foreign player that's English that's coming back to England whether it's Liverpool or not but I'm just it's 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 that feeling again that you have on players that are like that and even think about but, worse players it's, but it's the, the same but, thing but the funny thing is like uh, right on Bellingham sorry Ant Mac says um, he's signing out for the night but it's a cracking show so far and he listened in the morning but he did say um, 
he did say that he felt Carragher was a was a brilliant centre back between two thousand four and two thousand nine. I don't disagree with that. I think if you if you listen to forwards and other players that played against Carragher during that spell, re- really did he a drug, but it was like fucking hated Carragher because Carragher was just up as hell like for seasons on end because we just kept playing Chelsea. But the thing with Bellingham is, and it's interesting you, you talk about him, right? Because Bellingham is the hottest property in world football. Mm. There's no doubt about that. He's the hottest property in world football. He's 19 years of age. He's 180 or 190 games under his belt, right? He is the hottest prospect in world football, midfield wise. There's maybe forward players out there, defenders that are deadly. But for me, he's above Gavi, Pedri, whoever else you want to talk about, just simply because the amount of games he's played, the rate he's playing them at, the level he's playing them at, he's captain. He's walking around as captain at Dortmund, right? But you're talking about Pats, Germany, and this time. Joe Bellingham goes off and does his business in Germany every week, right? Mm-hmm. And apart from these German football aficionados that love to watch it, or a lot of people that pretend to watch it, he's just left alone to do it. And yeah. that's unheard of in England. Like, if Joe Bellingham breaks through at Birmingham and moves for 30 million quid to Arsenal, he is going to be fucking ridiculed week upon week upon week, and you don't see the Joe Bellingham you see now. You simply don't because it's all very well being deadly at football and progressing and getting better at football. But your mind, your mental state, he's built this mental state in Germany. You know, he's walking around going, I own this fucking pitch. It, it always reminds me a bit of um, the, the youngster that was at United. He was outrageous. He's, he's played with Derby. He's, he's been with West Ham. You know who I'm speaking about, the left foot kid. Um, Raven. Chris Raven. No, no. He was at United. He went and played for Lazio. He's been fucking everywhere. I, I, someone in the chat, I think of the name. But he, he came. No, he this this like him through. I can't think of his name. He came through, and you knew straight away that he just hadn't got the mental ability to carry this brilliant talent that he had. And that's Luke Chadwick. That's that's why Bellingham. Ravel Morrison is the name of the player. Ravel Morrison. But but that but that's the thing, right? You knew by looking at him that he's a brilliant talent. But what's gone with, with Bellingham for me is, he's gone away. I watch, I see the results, I might see the odd clip of him, I might watch the odd game. But he's just wandering around Germany doing his thing. And he doesn't allow anything to annoy him. And that's why he's coming back as probably the complete midfielder uh, for that age that he's at. And you heard Gerard talk about him the other day. Gerard just loves him because he just has the lot. Um, so you've gone Hanson Lawrenson, mm. which is fair enough. I think... Uh, I think you're bang on there. Um, before we go into the midfielders and forwards, right? Um, the charity stuff. I'm, I'm putting it in here in the middle because when I put it at the end, people turn off and you don't hear that and it annoys me, right? So, the charity stuff. Um, breast cancer research. 12 women running the Dublin Marathon. We're backing them all the way. We're trying to raise 20 grand for them, okay? Um, and like I said, we won't stop until we get there, right? It's We're about 10, 12% of the way there, right? But it's early doors. They don't run until October. They have these girls have so much planned, you know. They're, they're doing um, football blitzes. They're doing all sorts of stuff that they're going to raise money from. We're doing the golf day, which just today we confirmed thirty two players playing in that. Um, so we're looking for sponsorships and prizes. LFCDayTrippers at gmail.com if you want to sponsor a whole long drive nearest the pin. Okay, all the money going to the charity. If you want to donate a prize, same email address and. You don't have to go and get the price. You can just email me and go, can I send you X amount of money? Would you go and buy the price? 
Absolutely. I've had three people already send me money and go, buy a prize, sticker in the raffle. Our target for the day is to hopefully, if we get everything sponsored, it'll be about four grand that we raise on the day, which will go into the key. Okay? And it's it's a brilliant cause. We we love doing the charity stuff. We only had this conversation the other day. With something come up in one of the shows, and, and I keep telling people, and I'll keep saying till I'm blue in the face, we love talking football. We bring it all to, for free. But the biggest things, the biggest buzz we get over, and as much as Phil is a mess ambassador, right, the, the biggest buzz you get over, and Phil, be honest, the biggest buzz you get over is when you go, they raised that money. They got that money for that yeah. child. They got, you know what I mean? Like yeah. As much as we mess and we joke and whatever else, honestly, Liverpool win games, it's amazing. But when, when you find out that children have gone to America to be treated for this, treated for that, and they have a chance, it's it's the best thing. It's the best thing that can come out of it. Um, so, you know, if you can help, the link is in the description. Um, and by all means, donate. If you can't donate and you want to give us a prize, lfcdaytrippers at gmail.com. I check the emails every morning, every afternoon, every evening. And if something comes in, I will organise with you to get money off you. And I'll buy the prizes. Or you can send me money to donate for um, sponsoring the holes or nearest the pain or um, long drives and stuff like that, right? Um, and then something come up today. And I don't even feel I don't even know if you'll know about this, but I got a message off Andy Young today. I got a message off Andy Young, and I got a message off Keith Plunkett, and he said this guy has been in contact with us. He was looking for your contact details, um, and it's about this girl. So I'm just going to read out the GoFundMe, right? I'm going to read out the GoFundMe, and before I do, if you go onto our Instagram, if you go onto our Facebook, if you go onto our Twitter, you will see a post about this girl. You will see a link that you can go to the GoFundMe and you will see that you can donate, right? Now, we, we're currently doing this for breast cancer research. But when this come up, I thought, no, you have to do something with this. You have to share it and talk about it on a show. So I'm going to. So let me read this to you because it's quite moving. and But I'm infuriated at the same time. I'll tell you why in a minute. Sophie Lanigan, a 12-year-old, kind, caring, courageous and beautiful young girl, has suffered a life-altering event that has resulted in the loss of all four of her limbs okay on the 12th of december 2022 sophie's mom brought her to the doctor with a high temperature that she she had since the night before as soon as she got to the doctors she began to have trouble breathing and was given oxygen sophie was rushed to temple street children's hospital in dublin in an, in an ambulance we received a phone call from her parents to say sophie had suspected pneumonia and was rapidly deteriorating so had to be put in a ventilator in icu every parent's worst nightmare okay sorry just for, just for just so you know, this is um, Leanne Bourne is the person that set up the GoFundMe. It's, it's obviously, I think it's an auntie of Sophie, okay? Later we learned that Sophie had sepsis caused by strep A. Sophie had gone into septic shock and her organs were beginning to fail. Sophie had to be transported to Crumlin's Children's Hospital and put in a stronger ventilator. Sophie spent two weeks fighting for her life for her parents, Laura Hughes and Keith Lanigan, by her side every minute as they were told to prepare for the worst. Sophie fought so hard and finally on Christmas Day was taken off a ventilator. Unfortunately, Sophie woke to the devastating news that the damage caused to her hands and feet were irreversible and amputation was necessary. Sophie spent four more weeks in ICU battling infections, dialysis and many other complications but thankfully started to improve and was strong enough to face her first surgery. Not all of the surgeries went to plan and Sophie has had more setbacks for 10 more weeks she'd spent in hospital. But Sophie is the most amazing, strong, determined girl. She has battled through again and again. She is our hero and we are all unbelievably proud. Sophie and her family face a difficult path 
um, part ahead, adapting to this new way of life. They will need to make changes to their home to meet Sophie's needs, as well as prosthetics and other adaptive equipment. The cost of this will be daunting. We started this fundraiser because not only would we like to help our hero Sophie, but we would like to help our incredibly strong, brave parents, help her incredibly strong, brave parents, and brought her through an extremely difficult time. Thanks for your support. Now, my only issue with this is there's a beautiful photo of it looks like Sophie and her father, and he's in a United jersey. And it made me think twice, but then I went ahead with it anyway, right? That's a joke. I'm only joking. Um, but it's, it's, it's an unbelievable story at 12 years of age. Now, they started this off a day ago with a 40,000. Um, when I seen it today, it was at 40,000 as a target on GoFundMe. And I was like, that's not enough. Like, the amount of money you have to spend in your house to adapt it is colossal. Prosthetics mm. are colossal. Surgeries, um, you know, physio, anything you can do to make this child's life as normal as you possibly can because she's facing a huge challenge that she didn't expect at 12 years of age to face six months ago or four or five months ago. So it's currently sitting at 83,000 they've raised in like honestly two days, right? The target sits at 70, but I, I think that should be closer to 100, okay? Because honestly, 100,000 will get you nowhere in this world, in this country, to get you prosthetics, adjust for in your house, um, physio, wherever it might be. So, what we're asking, and we, we're going to throw it out a couple of times over the next couple of weeks, depending on where the family want to go with this with regards to targets. But on our social media, it's there if you want to donate. Share it like you would share the breast cancer research one. And if they, if they up that target, I, yeah, we're willing to. We put a, I, sorry, I put in a donation today on behalf of the, the, the podcast, and, and I simply wrote on it that we'll support it now and as much support as needed in the future where anything they need, they need done. Um, so, like I said, the GoFundMe is there. It's on all our social medias. I didn't put it into the show description tonight. That's my fault. I will put it in afterwards. So anyone watching the show afterwards will be able to see that, will be able to click on the link and will be able to donate, all right? Um, and the reason I'm infuriated with this is, is because no 12-year-old in this in this country should have limbs amputated and have to go online looking for a hundred fucking thousand euro to make their life some way normal and, and and help them. No child. We have a housing crisis. We have all this, that, and the other going on. Absolutely fine. But as far as I'm concerned, the children of this country are the future of this country. That's always been the truth. And... I know there's loads of kids out there and there's loads of things goes wrong and whatever. But honestly, like, it infuriates me that anybody has to turn around and go, we've no option but to ask strangers for money in order to make our child's life comfortable, all right, and let her progress to as normal life as possible at 12 years of age to take all this on board. And that's what infuri- it absolutely infuriates me. So what I'm going to say to this is, we always do charity work. We'll always do it. We'll never, never stop doing it. But if you watch any football podcast out there, any football YouTube, I don't care if they're Liverpool, United, anyone, if you watch any of them and you know any of them and they want to come on board with us, right, in any sort of way to support projects that we will pick between us to help children in particular, I'm absolutely open to it. And I do loads of, I do, like, I work all day. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I work all day, but I'm happy to take this on and turn to any Liverpool podcast, right? Any United, Chelsea, Arsenal, whoever, and make this 
about football content creators joining up and saying, you know what, that girl needs 100,000 and we're going to do it in a day. We're not going to piss around for months. We're not going to piss around for weeks. We're going to do it in a day because we've millions of people watch and that's what we want to do. So I'm putting it out there. <coughs> I'm not going to go annoying any content creators. I'm not going to go banging on the doors. But there's plenty of people that watch this show, are in the chat, are on our Twitter. They know me. They know all the lads. They can get in contact like that. Right? And whether you like us, don't like us, if you would like to help children and embarrass governments by raising this sort of money very, very quickly, I'm absolutely open to it. So I want to wish Sophie all the best. And I'm telling you now from me, Kev, Phil, and anybody else that's on this channel, if Sophie needs anything, and I mean anything, she rings us or she messages us and we'll make it happen. Wherever it can be, we'll do our absolute best to make it happen. We'll, come, we'll let Phil go down and tell her how he hates football. Like she'll have the crack, you know what I mean? Um, we'll, we'll, we'll send Andy down. Andy will tell her all about the firemen and all, the fire brigades. He, he, he loves all that. we let Shawnee, don't let Shawnee go. We'll only be talking about Evan and Dickie and it won't end well. Um, but well, what I mean is, if she needs anything, if the family need anything or they're, they're fundraising or whatever, they have to get on to us and, and, and tell us. And we will throw it out there. And we, if we, we can tone up, we can tone up. So I've taken up loads of your time with that. But I think it's important to do it because it's a harrowing story, to be quite honest with you. But at the same time, it's infuriating that I'm having. I'll happily do it. But for, for people to have to go and ask strangers for money in this country, which is one of the richest countries in the world, and you can't help children like this, I think it's an absolute disgrace. And I, all I can say to Sophie is, your family, look, I, I've read about this about five hours ago, and I'm incredibly proud of you, but your family must be incredibly proud of you. Your family, your extended family must have to be very proud of your immediate family, and judging by the reaction you've got today, it's it's a phenomenal um, resource of people to have around you. Keep them there. They'll get you through it, and the LFC Day Trippers, and anybody else that makes football content wants to join us in helping Sophie or other kids in, in the future, I'm absolutely open to it. If it means me having to work another two hours a day, I've no problem doing it. Absolutely none, and I know the lads would have no problem helping out either. Um, <coughs> midfielders. Kev, this is, where uh, we, this is where the fun starts for Kev. Yeah, because I had a real decision um for me i would just, i went with 442 so i want two box to box mids who can do it all and i went with javi alonso and um jan molby oh, is a show it's I lo- i'm a bit older than phil and i love jan molby i love jan molby when he played for denmark in the 86 world cup no, um, no, no. We're both, we're both, we're both on the same they, on the same page, Kev. Yeah, I adored Yamobi, but you said box to box. Yamobi never left the centre circle. That's a fact. <laughs> he went from one yeah. side of the centre circle to the other. There's no boxing there. Uh, Yamobi is sixty-one goals, box forty-two smoke. assists. <laughs> and both players love a golf outside the box. Both players can bang, and their passing range is outrageous. I, I, I really wish our teams could play against each other. Cause yeah, well, that's, that's what it is. It's going to be a row in the yeah, morning over. Javi Alonso, I think, is probably the one player of the two. Because it could have gone for uh, Mascarano as well, but I didn't go for Mascarano for the pure and simple reason that I think the best version of him was at Barcelona as a centre-back. 
with the game in front of him and the dictating of play. Javi Alonso, we he was good for us, but he was ridiculous for Real Madrid and Bayern Munich. I think he got, he's the one player, I think, that really kicked on and improved after Lee. It's, it, it doesn't happen often that players leave Liverpool and find out the grass isn't always green on the other side. That's kind of like the, what it is like for the majority. But Alonso is, was just different. He, he was a great player and he got better. And it's kind of annoying this, to see him get better with someone else. But no, that would be my take. Moby was a show. Alonso was a show. Alonso was just a joy to watch. But Moby, uh, he's, you see, Moby, John Watson passed away last week or the week before. And John Watson and Jan Moby are involved in the best bit of commentary in football of all time. Where in the 86 Cup final for the rush goal, where he, Moby gets it and, and literally takes two touches of the ball in one goal, but just bang, bang. And it's like, and it's the, it's the famous, oh, I say. You know, uh, as he um, yeah. mm-hmm. and then goes on about his vision. So Moby and 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 Alonso, I've no, I've no, um, I've no arguments against. I'm sure there's more players you could throw in there, the likes of Amashirano. But um, yeah, I've no problem with them. Phil, you've gone four two three one. So what's your two? I'm I'm amazed, Kev, that you didn't pick any of the the, the lads we've had under Klopp. Um, like, I'm I amazed did, I you haven't for. Okay. I couldn't because Fabinho. I just don't think he's been there long enough, and I don't think he's better than either of what the of the other two. And Genie Wijnaldum, he was just he was good, but that's what he was. He was a good player. He wasn't a great player. He was just a very good player, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that. It was what the midfield the Klopp needed at the time with three very good central midfielders who could contain and organize and be what he wanted them to be. But and I don't John, think any of the three Sally, had an X factor. Sorry? Sally, Sally, <laughs> It's not a legends match. <laughs> you said box to box. Yeah, what box? Six yards to the 12 to the being 18 yard he ran. Um, no, I think I think that's fair. So, Phil, your two in a 4-2-3-1. Yeah, I'm smashing you, Kev. Like, uh, honest to God. I've, I I looked at what you're picking there. I, I, oh, can I, I guess again? Mi- the only midfield, the only midfield you should have picked there was Alonso and Mascarano, right? That's that's what you should have been anchoring your midfield because that is the best balanced midfield we've ever had since my, since my t- team existed in the eighties. Go on, go for Gav. Who do you think I'll go for? I think you'll definitely go Graham Souness, Souness and Gerrard. Yeah, no. Um, so I went with Steve McMahon. And oh, yes. Paul Stewart. Fuck oh, off. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Who have you got? I've got Ronnie Whelan and Graham Sunis. So if you're talking about Jabby Alonso, Ronnie Whelan could do everything Alonso could do, right? Whelan was and unbelievable. And he could play centre-back. And, yeah. and yeah. he could score um, volleys from uh, 45 yards out against the Russians in Euro 88, right? That made you jump off a seat and, and came off a shin. It was better than uh, Wayne Rooney's overhead shin. So it was like it's uh, yeah. So for me, Ronnie, Whe- but Ronnie Whelan is a footballer. Not many people remember Ronnie Whelan because obviously not as old as was Kevin. Right? Loads but, of stuff at left back and everything for Liverpool. Yeah, everywhere, left back, everywhere. Centre back towards the back end of his career. Left midfield. Cups, loads at left midfield. Won league titles. Was a captain. Um, 
Oh, and probably an unsung hero when people talk about great teams and great players because he's just an under the radar fella that filled in absolutely everywhere, but was a brilliant midfielder, an absolutely yeah. brilliant yeah, midfielder, right? right? And and was before Moby stepped in and did what 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 you were talking about. Whelan was doing that, and after Moby got injured, he stepped in and did it again, and was spraying the ball around and controlling the midfield and being able to do. It. But he could play when Soonus left. Whelan was able to play alongside Moby and be the dirty player. Was being it was it was oh was love to, to, to put his foot in. Love, but if, love but if you if, but if you think about like some of the highlights for Whelan, he scores two in the Middle Cup final, doesn't he? Um, yeah, Ben's scored an Aug as well in one. Right, and then yes, and then and then. If you're, he's the man that actually clips the ball to rush for that tour in, in the 3 1 in 86. Yeah. But then mad stuff like FA Cup at Highbury in 92 against Portsmouth. Liverpool are losing to a Darren Anton goal. Barnes clips this free kick out last minute, clips this free kick over the wall. It hits the post, comes back across the box. Who's there? Ronnie Whelan's just Ronnie hanging Wheeler. around there, knocking in the net. You're like, sniffing like, there. Just, just like. You'd expect like Rush to be there, <laughs> one of the forwards. Yeah, now yeah. Ronnie Whelan's there, and he scores a deadly own goal at Old Trafford. Do you remember where he he yeah. he, he lobs um, Grabbler from about thirty yards? Um, Immense. And Grabbler has no idea. He was, idea what's he was brought up in thing. He was brought up in Fingless. Like he, there was no way he was going to turn up. He's a home far- product of home farm. <coughs> he was born in Fingless West. Footballer. He was born about five minutes from my house, and he went the same school as I went to. And so I've got Ronnie Whelan and and but then put him alongside Graham Sooners. Like Ronnie Whelan was a scored one and ten. Going back to your point, right? He was a one and ten for a midfielder who wasn't really an attacking midfielder. That's a mad return you're getting out of him as well, right? And then when you put him alongside Graham Sooners, who was also a one and seven midfielder, right? You're getting goals from midfield, and Sooners is probably the angriest footballer that existed until Roy Keane appeared, right? So, but he's the one player, Phil. He's the one player. You know the way they go on about oh, Messi or Maradona, what the year is? He's the one player I always think of. If you could teleport him, as he is, into today's game, he's the one I want <laughs> he to could see. Play. Because honestly, yeah. he would, and I mean this, he would eat the likes of Kane, Vieira, Gattuso, all these fellas. He would marmalise them. So angry. Like, yes. And he was, he was, so the thing was, right? he was such a good footballer. He was a fucking brilliant footballer. But like, do you know what he reminds me of? In the film The Commitments, right? In the film The Commitments, there's a fella that plays a drum called Mick Ad on fucking yeah. Wallace. Right? <laughs> and Mick Ad's good on the drums. He's really good at the drums. But if someone skips his mate at the bar, he's going to cause absolute fucking carnage in the whole place. And that was Sunets. He was brilliant as a footballer. But my Jesus, he enjoyed as much, if not more, he just enjoyed when it got... Carnage. Yeah, just stamping carnage. on fellas and didn't give and the a fuck. Fact that... The fact I can't pick Suarez, I needed to find someone that was completely nuts, right? And it is very hard to find fellas who are brilliant that were completely nuts in the English and the Irish uh, 11, right? But he fits into brilliant, but completely stonewall barmy as well. But, yeah. but brilliant. Like, don't forget, he has this monstrous falling out with Phil Thompson and Thompson thinks he stole the captaincy while he was well Thompson was crap and Paisley gives him the captaincy and those two have a feud for years not even for like a week or until until he leaves this goes on for years and years and years and there's bad blood for years like this is 
when I think of Sunus, I, I think of I, I actually think of the angriest human alive. Whenever I think of Sunus, and you think of all these hard men in the, you know all those Lockstock movies that came out, right? I always immediately imagine you should have just got Graham Sunus in the eighties to do this. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> but the thing, but that's that's why I love him teleporting into this this time because honestly, I think he would go out in the Premier League today, right, and be the best footballer midfielder in the Premier League today, right, mm. right. But at the same time. If you want to have a row, he's absolutely willing to go to war with you until one of you is done. Like, genuinely, that's how good he was. He um, was so crazy. I can't... The only thing I will say is you pick Wheeling Sunes here, and I'm looking down, there's four spots left here, and I know you're pulling out fucking... You're pulling a horrendous one here later on, right? <laughs> um, I just know by the numbers that are left in the positions. Anyway, Kev, rest of the world... feels dead. You may as wingers, well just put left and right wingers. Coffin. Left and right wingers, uh, Sadio Mane and Mo Salah. Left and right. It's okay. just, they're just too good to leave out. Fair and... play, John Charles there. <laughs> Ooh. What? What? <laughs> I, I, it's, four, four, I two think... there, you got to just yeah. trust it. <laughs> I, look, we, 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 recency bias aside, they're just ridiculous. Mo Salah's goal return for Liverpool. When I looked at my front two, Salah's ahead of them both combined already. And it's just, he's an outrageous footballer. And if you want four forwards in your side, and I do, then there's no better outside forwards to that we've ever had. We've just never had them as good at, or even come close to those two. Sadio is a ridiculous footballer. Got him at the right time, and he's another one who kicked on to heights that none of us ever really saw coming. But whatever about Sadio, nobody saw Salah coming. Nobody. I mean, I remember the when Me. before we saw Me. it, before we signed Me. him, and Me. people were like, "Nah, nah, there's just no way." Me. Me. You weren't alone, but, but the, the big thing on Salah was, was when he was torn up. Big he was, on he was you, as, you can you can go back to the podcasts yeah. when we signed him. But he, but he was seen by loads. Saying this is the perfect thing. But he was seen but, by loads. He was seen by loads as a backup to Coutinho, Firmino, Mane. Yeah, that's what he was seen as. And now, and I saw him if you look at his numbers, over. Salah has three goals or assists every four games. He has three goals or assists, hmm? three goal involvements every four games. Right in his career, his Liverpool career, it's ridiculous. Like, there's just no I, way he's not on the side. And I understand Mane because I think Mane is the most important signing he's ever made. I think he's the most important signing he's ever made. Club at Liverpool at the time, I suppose. Yeah. No, I think I uh, think he's the most important he's ever made, and I will tell you why. Because if he signs Mane in the summer of 2016, right? And remember, he signs him for 34 4 million or something, right? Four million, yeah. Right? He signs him from Southampton, right? And Mkhitaryan is going to United for less than that from Borussia Arsenal. Dortmund. And everyone's mm-hmm. telling you, United have done us, done us dirty. They've got Mkhitaryan, Mane. Oh, and yeah. remember, it was it was his first big signing because he does nothing in the January bar the, the, the centre-half that he put up front. Um, okay. Yeah, and then in that summer he brings in, I think he brings in Wijnaldum, he brings in Matip. But that's his first big money. It's it's 35 million. It's, it's quite big money at the time. Yeah. And if that goes wrong, People start doubting Klopp in the transfer market early on. That's my opinion. If that goes no, wrong, but he is the he is the fulcrum to everything Liverpool have done for me. And since the irony is, he 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 didn't sign him at Dortmund because he didn't like his haircut. I can't be dealing with someone with a gold streak in his hair, and Klopp yeah. walked away. 
Didn't know it was a birthmark. Phil, your three behind the one, in front of the two. Um, the left. You want all three of them? No, left oh, and right. No, just left and right. So, shit. Hang on, I have to look at my notes. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, well, the left is easy. Johnny Barnes is going on the left of, of the trick. The greatest. Right? The greatest. Uh, he wins. So, in there he goes, and uh, he just he, he does whatever he wants. On the right, then, I have Steve McManaman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Mm. So. <laughs> I know. I know it's coming here. You're just being a prick. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> because your words to me today was, this is not a draft. So people that think it's a draft can fuck off, it's my opinion. <laughs> and I knew something was coming straight away. But anyway, <coughs> McManaman. But okay, so McManaman, the only Love footballer him. we're talking about in that played for Liverpool in the 90s, maybe with the exception of Fowler, right? But in terms of, if if, if you stop McManaman, that, and if you stop Liverpool in the 90s, you basically stop, you, you crowded McManaman out. They the used game, to right? man-mark him. And they used to put two and three players on him because they didn't have to worry about anything else that was going on in the whole team. Right? I remember, like I remember a match of the day one Saturday night. Liverpool played Sheffield Wednesday at Anfield, and I'm going to say it was around '97. And Sheffield mm-hmm. Wednesday turned up, and the BBC match of the day done a thing. You know the way they show the goals and the highlights. They done a thing on McManaman being followed around the pitch by this. I I want to say it was someone like John Pemberton, right? Mm-hmm. Just following McManaman around the pitch for the whole game. Not interested in anything else, and it was the first time he kind of went, "Fuck me!" They're like actually man marking this fella, but he glided. Yep. Phil. He glided. Ah, oh, he was he, he was untouchable, and it, he was so good. I know he goes to Real Madrid, and but what he does at Real Madrid, he was doing for Liverpool. What what people sort of miss out with with the McManaman thing is that he didn't get better at Real Madrid. He just continued doing what he was doing for Liverpool, right? He just had better supporting cast around him and he was able to go, to be able to stand and be a player that they wanted to get rid of at Madrid but was so good they couldn't, right? Because he was loved by Zidane, by Roberto Carlos, by the big players in that Real Madrid, and they felt he was a bit like Solari. They, they felt that he was a fulcrum part on the team, but not just. He turns up in a Champions League final and bangs one into the roof of the net. Like he, he, he turns up in the big moments for them, but he always turned up, always turned up in the big moments for Liverpool. If 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 he didn't turn up, it didn't happen. You think of the ninety two World the ninety two FA Cup. That's McManaman. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's his announcement onto the stage. He breaks on when Giggs comes on, and you know they talk about Giggs the way he went for United, whatever. But for me, McManaman was was a superior player, had a, had a bigger goal threat. And when I think about it, it goes back to your point about Sunus. Bob and I haven't got onto Barnes yet, but you could lift McManaman and put McManaman into modern day football, and he'd probably thrive in the way Salah thrived because he'd have more players, he'd have more space to operate in, and he wouldn't be subject to the tackles he was. And that leads me into John Barnes because we've talked, we've had, we've done podcasts on John Barnes, we've interviewed. I John talk Barnes about him all day. I literally set up a YouTube channel called "Let's Talk John Barnes." Honestly, right? And he's what he did for football for me in '85, '86, growing up. And like me and Pete were, were mates back then. And I'll be straight; like the, 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 it wasn't it wasn't common to see um, different coloured skinned people in Ireland at that at that point in time, right? Um, and when you grew up idolizing someone 
that was an immigrant was from an immigrant heritage in terms of from Jamaica that came to England to be able to blow up the way he did to do what he did for football in England for me to, to but to do it as a Liverpool player it leads on to something that was common with McManaman as well he never gets his flowers as an England player McManaman yeah. they can't figure out in the 90s they can't figure out how best to get the talent out of McManaman and the Roy simple Evans thing come, is is to just give him the ball it's not put hard. him in it's put him in that in, in, in a forward position stop worrying about positions and put, put him, him in left that area or right or in a 10 yeah. and say to him you just stay around you don't have to come back and work that hard but when we get on McManaman done it for years at Liverpool where Liverpool yeah. will win a ball and he'd be standing in the centre circle going give me a and he just lets the ball run by him and off he takes. Um, if you look at it, I don't. I, he might be man of the match in the 92 FA Cup final. He wins the, the 95 League Cup final for Liverpool. He then scores an unbelievable goal away at Celtic. Do you remember in the UEFA mm, Cup? He runs the length of the pitch, runs the length of the pitch in the last minute. He then goes to Madrid. He scores in one, if not two, European Cup finals. Right? He, he, he's just an unbelievable footballer, Steve McManaman. And the thing about him was, I was only saying it to Shawnee the other night, he had the ability to get the ball six inches from the touchline and glide by a fella and you wouldn't know how the ball was still on the pitch. It was yeah. ridiculous. And I, I've, I, I've spoken I, at length about John Barnes. He is still I know and will I've, always be my favourite ever Liverpool footballer. But to me, John Barnes no changes. But to me, John Barnes changes. A bit like when we talked about the goalkeepers. Changes the perception as to what a footballer can be in England. Right? the type and style of footballer without John Barnes you don't have a gas coin without John Barnes you don't have the Phil Foden's you don't have the Harvey you don't have that flair the understanding that flair can be a thing that's accepted into what was then a very simple Liverpool were very different than that they were a pass and move team right most the vast majority of teams then were big man small man up front launch the ball push it up like big jack did it for ireland that was the tactics of the day for english football it was all about pressure and the the the, the belief was and it was true in europe that the foreign teams who wanted to play pass and move football couldn't deal with the on the aerial onslaught that was coming on and it lasted for almost two decades in terms of this but what john barnes gave was to kids like me growing up this belief that we could play football and we were able to play football like brazilians and John Barnes, the, 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 the awakening moment, the moment I remember clearly of my awareness of who John Barnes was, is the goal against Brazil when he's still a Watford player before he comes to Liverpool, America. right? And and it, that is the, that was and when he signs for Liverpool, it was the first signing I remember that truly, truly, and this is before 24-hour sport. This is way before, like you read about the thing in a paper you three got days one match after a week happened, if you are lucky. Right? And, and you have the big match on big ITV match, yeah. on a Sunday, right? Or UTV on a Sunday, right? And like that's what we had. And John Barnes arriving there was the was the moment. It was the first first transfer I truly remember going, "Oh my God, we've just signed John Barnes!" Right? Yeah. And, and I was a kid at the time, but it was just like, "Oh my God!" And it's the sign of the Barnes, it's the sign of Aldridge, it's the sign of Houghton, that and the sign Spackman, and that 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 brings the Kenny Dalglish era in the, the the from the cup winning double team to the most dominant Liverpool team ever until the Klopp era. I, I call it the most dominant team because what they do is what Klopp has done. But had they not been in, involved in a European ban at that stage, they would have been a match to that AC Milan team. And my greatest regret to, to the, the day I'll die as, as a Liverpool fan is never getting to see John Barnes play against um, Baresi in a European Cup final. 
that is my greatest singular regret as a football Brand. fan because that that would have been two of the greatest players of all time at their absolute height and to see that as a, as a clash to me would have been just I would have been blessed. Like I've seen so many brilliant ones, but but that as a Liverpool fan would have been the one was the one I really wanted to see. I wanted to see Barnes against Baresi, and looking back, it's the one that I that, that we missed out on. And I just I can't talk enough about it. And it's the same. I know people are giving out that McManaman ran down his contract and all this type of stuff. Well, I don't like care. What he did in the Rob, pitch. Rob, Robert Maguire says McManaman is sour towards Liverpool these days. He also left, so he shouldn't get in there. Although I did really love him. Robert, go and listen to the We Are Liverpool podcast, the latest episode from the club itself is with Steve McManaman. And he's actually working with the club now today, believe mm. it or not. I didn't know that till the other day, but he is. Um, and he talks about leaving Liverpool and how it came about. And when you actually listen to it, and Robbie Fowler sitting beside him while he's telling this, and Robbie Fowler, you know Robbie Fowler, if you're if you if you're a spoofing, Robbie Fowler will tell you. Um, but Robbie Fowler never opens his mouth while McManaman was talking about this. So it's a really, it actually changes... It didn't change my feelings on McManaman. I just thought he was brilliant. Um, it, he was a real before Fowler. He was a real kind of street footballer. You could you could absolutely relate to Fowler comes along and it's just I still think he's the, probably the best finisher the clubs ever had. But John Barnes, I just can't talk enough about him. He's just he, he'll always be my favourite Liverpool player because the stuff he done with football was just outrageous. Um, pace, power, skill, vision. Crossing was unreal, finishing, heading, you name it, he, he had a lot. And he should be... Imagine John Barnes nowadays in that team. Yeah. With Klopp. Mm-hmm. I keep I going. To, when I, when I, I just trying to buy when it. I, when, when I was thinking of, of these players, I was thinking, how many of these could play modern day football? So I, I was almost I was thinking, the true greats transcend their area, if, yeah. if that makes sense. And that to me... I, but I, I think, think there's loads of them that could have named. Done. Yeah, I think I think I, I think every single player of names, maybe with the exception of Phil Neal, which is probably harsh given what he won. But if you look at right the way through that team, I think they can transcend and play the modern game. Yeah, I think there's loads in that Liverpool side of the eighties that could have, like Rush definitely would, Rush a hundred percent would. Yeah, um, you know, Sunes would. Beardsley. Um, yeah, Beardsley was a fucking player as well. Um, Roy Kev, you're two forwards. Suarez and Torres. It, okay. If you almost feel cheated. The fact that um, Luis Suarez thought he was signing for Liverpool to play alongside um, Fernando Torres. Mm-hmm. And we never got to see it. We got Andy Carroll instead. And I just, what they, they would have complimented each other in the fact that one was an absolute dog who would run and run and run, but had skill and ingenuity in South American flair and just individual brilliance. And Torres inside the box was stone. He was just stone cold. He was... Composer personified, could glide past players. He was quick, but he was quick with the ball. Uh, when you were talking about McManaman, I was thinking like Steve McManaman wasn't blessed with raw pace, but he was really quick with the ball at his feet. Torres was really quick with the ball at his feet, and he had a great football brain um, to be in the right place at the right time to pick up positions. And I think the two would have complemented each other, each other brilliantly. Mm. In the fact that you could have had Suarez playing off of uh, Fernando Torres, it would have been outrageous and frustrated that we never got to see it. I think it, it was like they were they were just that. You know, you're talking about players leaving and kind of tarnishing their reputation. I actually think Torres would tarnish his reputation more if he'd have stayed because I think he's finished. I think he's. Yeah. Very, I think he's finished when he leaves Liverpool. I think he's had injuries. I, I, I think his head's gone. You see him at Chelsea. He wins the European Cup at Chelsea. I think he might win the Scored a penalty as well. 
I think Score. he's in a, a Europa League when Benitez is there as well. Um, but as a footballer, from what you've seen at Liverpool, he was a shadow of himself at Chelsea. And the writing was on the wall, Liverpool, Liverpool, because his form wasn't great before he leaves Liverpool. Um, but he was genuinely, like, Torres was electric. Absolutely electric. And Suarez, for me, was just madness. Bottled up madness. Yeah. But, like you say, like, I seen, a, I seen a reel the other day of, like, all his different goals he scored. It's fucking madness. Suarez was insane. The, he scored him overhead. The one against Norwich for his hat-trick from probably 40 yards out where he chips the keeper. The audacity just to try it for a hat-trick goal is... And you'd expect nothing less of him. That was the thing. You just... He'd have seen it and you'd like, he's got to do this, isn't he? And bang, he just does it. He's, he was just different to almost anything that I'd seen. Yeah, poor Norwich. In the Premier no. League. Norwich got an awful ridiculous. point, didn't he? Like, yeah. he scores he scores uh, four against Norwich at Anfield. And... The second one is did it twice, I think. The second one is unreal. Twice. The third one though, where he's flicking her over Leroy Fair and just hitting on the half volley while he's falling over. Mm-hmm. Um Suarez was just magnificent as a footballer. Like absolutely magnificent. Yeah. Mad as a box um, of frogs, like, but Yeah, no, it's still. it's actually that's a serious side you put together there, to be fair. Now, Phil, you have I picked Suarez as well. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so it's you an have nice a number ten and a number nine. Here we go, man. <laughs> Come on. So in the middle of my tree, right? Mm-hmm. I've I've gone with Nigel Clough. You have I don't think he was I don't think he was utilised correctly at Liverpool, <laughs> and that's how he played for Nottingham Forest. <coughs> had he done that, he probably would have been one of the greatest Liverpool players of all time. But he wasn't. Yeah. So who you picked? <laughs> so then, then that was fair. That's fair. It, it wasn't. So then, I I actually did pick uh, Stan Collymore. Because again, he could play in in that role. Right, I'm just trying to think of names so, now. Absolutely. Just to fucking annoy me. I, I was earlier on. By the way, you know, Collymore and Fowler scored like 50, 60 goals between them over two seasons. Collymore's first season is just off the charts. Yeah, madness. The and charts. and Robbie Fowler's favourite playing partner, partner to this day Stan is Stan Collymore. So yep. there you go. And um, I, come I on, have give me, a number, so give me a man in the middle. Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane. <laughs> he, <laughs> <first cat> <laughs> who are you picking Will you, come on let's go to bed S- S- some lad Neil Meller um, <laughs> I to, I, oh, so in the middle there I'm picking Doug Leash. I did pick Kenny right so my, my tree behind the striker is is um, Maka Doug Leash, and Barnes okay now you know what you're doing here that's immense isn't it yeah like genuinely yeah, think about it you can play anyone up front then yeah Right, so who are you picking up front? Steven Gerrard. <laughs> You're not picking Ian Rush up front? No. I'm genuinely I'm putting Gerrard up front. You can't. Oh, you can. Yeah. It's up to you. you. Can, sorry, sorry. He's never played Gerrard? a striker in his life. Hang on. Gerrard's ever. best position in for Liverpool ever was playing just on the shoulder of Torres. And yeah. so many of those games, I, I challenge anyone to go back and watch it. He actually played as the furthest man forward. He never came back. Benitez didn't want him in his own half half the time, so he always played as the most advanced. And if you watch, Torres dropped off to the bottom end of the D and defended and pressed. So your idea there. behind all this is that Gerard drops in, and that you Gleesh can probably rotate. goes up front. Do you see that? Do you see that four? 
every one of them can play in midfield. So if I want to change my formation into a Klopp-like midfield with three in the middle, I can do it. If I want to go four, I can go wingers. I can put McManaman wide. I can put um, Barnes wide. I can play two to the middle. I can drop. Or you can play Gerrard on the right. Yeah, I can even go three. I can even go three at the back if I want, and and move Lawrence into midfield as well to make five across the middle. So, Kev, when you're struggling as to how I'm struggling as to how you how you exclude Ian Rush. So am I. To be fair, because Rush is ridiculous. That's and he's so underrated. That's a fair challenge, right? But Welsh people aren't aren't real, so you can't. They don't, they don't, they don't. I think they are real. No, I know Dave Thomas. They check, they check when they are real. No, there's no real Welsh people in the world, right? They don't exist. So, from my point of view, um, no, honestly, if we have that front four, we're scoring enough goals, and you aren't you aren't scoring on me. So it's like it's I only need to score one a match, and Kenny scores one and three. Gerard scores yeah, one and three. That midfield two is guaranteed a red card. Like. And do you know, what, but do you know what, Kev? Then I can drop one of the front four back into midfield, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to even break it. Okay. No, I, I can. I can. I can see some sense in it, but I, I struggle with, with Rush. We are having a chat. Is, we are having a Gerard chat tonight. Yeah. Go on, go on, Gerard is. Well, you, see, I can easily swap Gerard and, and Kenny if I wanted as well, because you could put yeah. Stevie back in the ten and put Kenny up front, and Kenny was was a goal scorer. When yeah. he had to play up, and he and he led the line himself before Rush came along. So, in, so th- there's there's I wanted options. I wanted goal scoring was, options. If it was me personally, yeah. I've no issue with your team. If I was to remove one out of it to get Rush in, it'd probably be McManaman. And I take yeah, McManaman out. I leave I leave Wayne and soon that's where they are. I'd have Gerard off the right, Barnes off yeah. the left, Daglish behind yeah. Rush. And if you needed yeah. to, you could stick Gerard back into midfield three if you wanted to. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not doing that though. Uh, Red Steve says he's been to Wales and there was people there. Yeah, but they weren't Welsh people. Ah, see, you didn't check. There was Red lots Steve, of people. Lots of there was um, lots of people there trying to find Welsh people. Okay. The only no, Welsh we, people exist. We were having this man, Sam. Me and Charlie were having a discussion the other night about um, Russia, Alan Shearer, mm-hmm. and I just I couldn't get my head around the fact that anyone would pick Alan Shearer over Ian Rush. I just could not get my head around it. Shearer's a brilliant goal scorer. But mm-hmm. Rush done everything. Like, I mean everything. Like, he, he, he pressed defenders. He, he ran the channels. You know, he, he got loads of assists. He scored every type of goal. Rush was just phenomenal. I'm not, listen, I am not disputing any of that, right? And when I was considering the team, I was trying to figure, how do I get, how do I get Rush in there, right? But I come back to it. Like, it wasn't just, like, going back to, the, I know it's, it's mad, but... Then why am I putting Fowler in? Because if I want a more fluid type forward that's an out and out goal scorer, right? Which has a who has a ridiculous strike rate, then why am I putting Fowler into the team? Because I need to find a way to shoehorn him in. But from my point of view, I've got now Stephen Gerrard, John Barnes, Steve McManaman, and Kenny Dugleish. Every single one of those players dominated the Liverpool team in the decade that they played for Liverpool. Every single one of those players are a goal scorer. And then I still have Sionis and Real and chipping in with goals from, from midfield. And I've got Hansen and Lawrence and chipping in goals from the back. And I've got Phil Neal score goals from right back. And uh, yeah, I'm in. Penalties. Okay. So, to finish, um, Phil's team in the 4-2-3-1 is Clements and goal. Back four of Phil Neal, Jim Beglin, Alan Hansen, Mark Lawrence. Midfield two of Whelan and Sunes with McManaman, Barnes, Dalglish behind Gerrard, but he has qualified that way. I'll just move them around wherever I want because they're all deadly. Fair enough. Um, Kev, 
has a four That's four what two. does. Yeah, he has Allison in goal. He's Arbeloa, Risa, Hippia, Van Dijk, the back four. Midfield two of Alonso and Moby. Either side of that, you have Salah and Mane. And up front, you have got Suarez on Tor- and Torres. Um, so what I'll do is, I'll put this together. I think Keith's quite good at doing this. Um, we put these together. We put the two teams out on our Twitter tomorrow, on our Instagram, and you can vote on them. Vote Phil or vote Kev. Um, but like, I'm just, I know what's coming there. Like, I'm just going to get fucking notification after notification going, where's this fella? And why isn't this fella in? And I'm kind of going, I'll just go back and watch the show. Um, everyone is going to, everyone is going to, see my team, every single one of them is going to be on. Why is McManaman in there? Why isn't Dean Rush in there? That's all you're going to get. Like, yeah, genuinely, that's all you're going to get. I know. I might have to turn off the notifications tomorrow. Um, just but to we'll drive, just to it'll drive, me. it'll drive interaction, Gav. That's what you want. Interaction. No, not really. Not really. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm happy just to do shows and then piss off the, the next kicks. one, to be quite honest with you. Um, that's been the midweek fix. It has been the ultimate Liverpool 11, Ireland and Great Britain versus the rest of the world. Thanks a million to Kev. Thanks a million to Phil. Thanks to everyone in the chat for all your comments and suggestions as we went through. Um, don't forget to check out bookmakers.com. Don't forget to check out breast cancer research and don't forget to check out our social media for sophie and her go for me as well um that's it talk to you in a bit over and out sports social podcast network